Hello, and welcome to another episode of Small Council Radio, where we talk about everything related to A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game by Simon. Uh, tonight, we have an interesting subject. I think it's going to be pretty fun. We're going to talk about some of the overlooked units in each faction. Uh, we've got Justin. Dave is out with a headache tonight, and I think Chris might be joining us later. But we have Cameron Wright, a.k.a. Boy Wonder from Indy. Uh, Cameron has gone to CMON Expo in 2019 and won one of their expert tournaments. Uh, and then I will let him introduce himself, tell us, Cameron, how you got into the game, uh, any other games that you play, what you like about song, what makes it stand out to you, and anything else you want to tell me or tell the listeners. Uh, yeah. So um, I got into it uh, Gen Con two years ago when the first Kickstarter came out. And uh, I played a few games there, and I really liked it, just because I've always wanted to play a rank-and-file game, because I never got to play Fantasy when that came out. <clears throat> so played a few games there. I loved it there. So I went to my uh, local game store, Family Time Games, and I ordered it, Kickstarter from him. It just started from there, started from the beginning. And what would you say is your house of choice, Cameron? I know you play... Uh, pretty much a little uh, bit of everything, but uh, what is your what's your favorite house and, and why? Uh, so the house that I like the most fun-wise to play is probably Targaryen, just because I love the movement and everything about their tactics. But competitive-wise, I'd probably say Baratheons or Lannisters and a little bit of Night's Watch. And that's just because all their different cards that you can do with combos and all that type of stuff. So everything, but Stark, neutral. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a little bit of free fall. I played, but after that, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to switch to Lannisters. Yeah. Now, I know you've got some experience with free folk because as soon as that uh, buff came for Giants, you were giving me the snickle fits <laughs> with my Nightwatch trying to play into Giants with that double veterans list, and that's just a an absolute nightmare. But uh, we can move on and just get started on the subject at hand, which is overlooked units. So we're going to be looking at units for every house, basically kind of just touching on some units that you don't necessarily see a whole lot in competitive play. And, of course, we'll do neutrals as their own unit um, or as their own house. So let's start with Lannisters. Uh, Lannisters, obviously, um, one of the OG factions. There's not really a whole lot that hasn't kind of been retuned and reworked, but I've, there's definitely some trends for uh, what you see in competitive lists, especially with TTS bringing all of these metas together. You tend to see a lot of the same thing. Um, I guess I'm going to start with uh, Pyromancers as a unit that's kind of an overlooked unit. You just don't see them too often in competitive play. Um, I think a lot of that boils down to their pretty terrible defensive stats not just the six plus save but the seven plus morale makes them a little bit of a liability uh they're not slow by any means at movement five but um they're just so fragile you can't really put them out to be hit by an alpha charge unless you've got the high sparrow in the list and you're planning to spend protection of the father on them but with that said i think that they're a phenomenal unit uh, I really would like to see them used a little bit more often, even if it's a little bit of a high-risk, high-reward situation. They play really well into 
a couple of meta lists that you see pretty frequently, some of the high defense lists like the, uh, the Baratheons, even though now they have Courtney Penrose who can use defensive counter to pretty much stifle any attack that they have. I guess that's a little bit scary, but outside of that, they should melt a Renly kind of Rose Knight build. Uh, they should melt Wardens very quickly. And uh, they're strong into other Lannisters as well, where they're, you know, they've generally always got a unit of Knights of Castle Rock who really don't want anything to do with Pyromancers. Um, they're still excellent in a Tyrion list where you can use Cunning Ploy to give them additional attacks. You can use Delay Orders to set them up where you can put them in striking range and make sure that you can stop a unit from alpha striking you. And they are hideously disgusting in a Clegane list when they have either of the Clegane brothers in them mixed with those cards. So my take on them is they're, they're very powerful. I think they have a pretty high skill cap. You really need to have a plan uh, how you're going to use them. And you kind of really need to build your list around that unit. Like that unit has to be the hero unit and you've got to set them up for success. But if you do, I think they, I think they're amazing. They're incredibly rewarding. Uh, There's probably not a better finisher in the game. If you can get in there and whittle, whittle the troops down a little bit, knock them down to five or six guys, they should pretty much be dead. Uh, what do you think, Cameron, as a Lannister player? Have you had much luck with them? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. One thing I would also add is um, they're good at area control. If somebody knows that they can't one-shot them, they're not going to go near them. So you can go on to close objectives to your deployment and just hold objectives until somebody comes up to you. So you have all that good stuff about them. And like you said, only probably downside is their morale. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the area control is a big thing. Um, I ran them in our little pseudo Gen Con event, <laughs> and in my match against Chris in the final, at first glance you would kind of look at that match and say, "Well, the Pyromancers didn't even attack; they didn't even do anything the whole game." But they did because they froze an entire flank because of the, the threat of Tyrion's cards, and that flank was held down by. Uh, sworn sword and that's just that unit can basically just go up and smoke i mean they can't one shot them with the change to panic but they can do six wounds and then up to four on the panic test which leaves them with two guys i mean it's not that much of a threat uh they came up really big in my in my game against shane while they did die they helped to take care of the two units that totally have combined with uh, the mountain that rides. So I play them. I really like them. They're one of the first units that I painted. Uh, They, with an assault veteran in a Tyrion list, if you can manage to get an end of turn, start of turn with the assault veteran, I don't think there's anything in the unit that can survive that. So maybe if champions of the stag start to become uh, pretty popular and pretty prevalent, you might see the pyromancers uh, slowly get worked back in. But I also really like them in a high sparrow list because they're a really good spot to put the sparrows card. Knocking their morale effectively down to a morale five is really, really good. And then uh, when you've got protection of the father, 
uh, you're able to keep them alive a little bit and then potentially healing with fealty to the mercy of the mother kind of make sure that they can stick around in a grind when they really shouldn't. Uh, what are your thoughts, Justin? Have you really ever played against them competitively? Uh, I think I've faced them a couple times in tournaments, but I know I've played against you a couple times with them and they've been, I, I've never been hit by pyromancers without it like ruining everything. They're easily like one of the hardest hitting units of the game. It's not the hardest because they completely ignore saves. Uh, plus, as a neutral player, they basically one-shot anything of mine because Vicious is very, very, very bad for me. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> an absolute nightmare for, for Flademan or... Uh, yep. I, sure. I think I'd rather take, like, OG Great Axes than to the face on Flademan than Pyromancers. Well, easily, yeah. They don't have Vicious. <laughs> uh, other than that, I don't have anything else to say except what you guys said. Okay, we can move along. Um, sticking to the Lannisters, now, um, as I said, they've been kind of reworked. They've been given some love, so um, almost every unit is valid, but I guess just really quickly, I want to touch on one unit that uh, you do see from time to time, but I just don't think that you see them enough because since their rework, that one-point bump to their morale, and the plus one attack dice. And for me, even though they seem like really subtle changes, it's taken this unit from pretty good to really good. That's the Lannister Halberdiers. So they are one unit that I strongly feel that their attachment that comes in the box is just perfect for them. Um, I guess you could sub in like a Preston or a Mirren Trant to take advantage of the double action. But for me, the Halberdiers with the Assault Veteran is just so good because they're misleadingly fast uh, at movement five. They charge harder than what you would think. Um, hitting on fours isn't the end of the world on average. You should hit six times on a charge with them. Six hits with Sundering is pretty nasty. And then once that enemy is engaged, since hold the line does not uh, require an activation like it does with Baratheon, you're able to use the free attack on the combat zone, additional action from something like Tyrion to follow that charge up with, you know, up to 10 attack dice hitting on threes with Sundering. And it can get pretty nasty. I've been playing them quite a bit lately, and I've found that um, the perennial you know, unit that people talk about offensively, Umber Berserkers, uh, blow for blow uh, with some of the Lannister cards. I actually like the Halberds with the Assault Veteran to win that fight against Berserkers. Um, maybe not every time. Starks have some really nasty cards that they can play. Uh, looking at you, sudden charge when you control the maneuver zone for that free vulnerable token, Northern Ferocity for the vulnerable token. But um, I think it's a pretty fair match. Seven points for seven points. Um, I like the Halberdiers in that match. Uh, situationally, they can they can win that. So uh, what do you guys think? Do you think that they're not seen enough? Do you think that the the lack of use of them is justified? How, how do you view Halberdiers? I would like to see them use more myself. Uh, since the beginning of the game, they've always been like one of the coolest looking and idea units I've in my opinion, 
uh, they're wonderful for area denial and just punking your opponent, which we've talked about plenty of times on this, that a big part of the game is uh, trying to get your opponent to make mistakes. Uh, and the halberdiers are really wonderful for that because nobody off the bat wants to charge a halberdier. It's never the ideal situation. Um, even though a lot of units can take a halberdier and be fine, but I think they're wonderful. That bump to morale really put them at that that mid-morale range that is solid and nobody dislikes at all. They With Sundering and but six points, they hit really hard, and with Assault Vet, they hit extremely hard, so I like them a lot. Yeah, I what agree with you on that. Uh, also, they can almost take any attachment and just buff them up even more. I know I would probably run uh, Marin Trent with them, so when you do that free attack in the front, you can make them weakened or vulnerable right before you do that attack. Then you have all the other type of combos with, like, Jamie Lannister, the Kingsguard version of dealing with another attachment, possibly, or doing an extra wound. So, yeah, they just, they're a good unit, and you can add almost any attachment to them. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, I know that the Guard Captain has seen a rise in popularity lately. I've seen like a, a Lannister build where they've got like uh, a unit of poor fellows, one unit of knights, and then they're plugging in like mountainsmen and halberdiers, and they've got a guard captain in each unit. Um, it's not a bad choice. Uh, the guard captain is good in any unit. Uh, insurance on a panic test is always strong. But um, I think with the point bump for the halberds, I would take the – the point bump in morale, I would take the risk of running a different attachment besides the guard captain and just have a little bit of faith in that slightly above average six morale. But I do tend to agree that Mirren Trant is a very, uh, is a very solid choice for them. Uh, I do like the idea of attacking them and placing a weakened token on them to really take the wind out of the sails on their charge. And then from there, you've got really solid options as far as, continuing to weaken them to win that grind or making them vulnerable to make sure that you push your wounds through or even a panic token, uh, especially in conjunction with Cersei, um, that can take a unit that's even got good morale and put them in danger of failing that morale test. So, uh, so the halberdiers, yeah, tend to agree on those. So outside of that, I think everything else is, is pretty commonly used. Uh, Knights of Castle Rock probably being the most popular, followed closely by probably Crossbowmen, Lannister Guard, and Four Fellows, all in that category. Warrior Sons see a pretty healthy use, and then obviously Mountains Men because of uh, Gregor. So definitely none of those are underused. So we can go ahead and move on to the Starks. Um, I was just going to say this one. Yeah. Uh, about the Kingsguard, maybe, that one unit. The Kingsguard with Joffrey? Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of play about that unit. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, they're definitely incredible. We kind of went over them a little bit in one of our shows. Uh, I think it was the last show because Joffrey is actually, he's the third, third or fourth highest rated, third highest rated Lannister commander, right? It's Sparrow, uh, Tyrion, and then Joffrey. But overall, <laughs> he was just behind... Um, I think Harma and Rob, correct, Justin? Oh, I, I don't want to hear. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want to quote it. We don't have Carlo on here to verify, but yeah, Dockery, I can't say for sure. But yeah, he was a lot higher sure. than people expected. Yeah, for sure he's in the top ten. So um, okay. I've seen him okay. used a lot in tournaments as a uh, an alternative to the high sparrow. So, but I mean, even still, anybody who hasn't tried them at this point, definitely try them. Go check out the A Song of Ice and Fire Guild. I've dropped an article about them. Maybe it can change your mind on Joffrey and that unit in general. But uh, with Starks, this is an interesting one because it's it's not necessarily a standalone unit, but I think it's hard to ignore him. And as we're not necessarily covering NCUs, but I definitely want to cover this guy. Uh, Jochen Hagar, the Mysterious Prisoner. When they dropped this guy, uh, he put so much fear into my heart because I felt like as soon as he was leaked, you know, as soon as we kind of saw what he was going to do before that box came out, I was like, this guy is going to be in every single Stark list because they've got so much capability of getting across the board so quickly and getting to whatever unit he's in. And with the number of frail units that people bring, I'm just, I'm genuinely surprised that this guy is not squeezed into lists. And I know why he's not brought, and that's because those two points are being spent on Brandon Hodor. Uh, those two points are being spent to rearrange things and make room for Rickon, you know, things like this. But I think he's incredible. And one of our guests, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, Franz, or he was a caller. He called in. Uh, it was last week. We, he called in with Carlo. And I pulled up his list that he ran in that NRG 64-man tournament. And Franz placed 15th, and he actually ran uh, Jock and Hagar. And I think the way that he ran him is incredible. So you put Brienne in a unit of Berserkers, put Jockin in the same unit that Brienne challenges with her Knightly Vow, and he brought Dario Commander with Catelyn NCU so that you've got the potential to force march, remove the weakened token with Catelyn, and then charge straight into them and potentially wipe that unit off the board in round one. And it's a two-activation swing because they've lost a unit and an NCU. Uh, I think he's incredible with as popular as Walter Frey is and um, some of these other really, really, really strong NCUs like Varys, uh, Amon from the Night's Watch, Corrin Halfhand from the Night's Watch. It would just be phenomenal to just kill that NCU and not have to worry about them. So I'm surprised that even with the high activation meta and Stark players pushing for direwolves to get activations, I'm surprised that you just don't see this guy more often. I think it's more or less because he's a lot harder to play than, uh, well, obviously, than what you just said. If someone sees that they've got this huge risk with a Brienne across the street of this unit dying and losing an NCU, they're probably going to play it safe and just hang that unit back as an activation instead of trying to actively engage in combat, I would think. Which is fair, but when I was playing uh, Night's Watch again, uh, I had the one unit of Sworn Brothers, and Shane at the store is pretty keen on Jock and Hagar. So Jockin always went on my Sworn Brothers. So I had two choices. I can take my home run hitting unit, my best offensive unit, and remove them from the game so that they don't die. Or I can push forward, play the game, and try to keep them alive. And then if 
that unit gets dogpiled on and I lose them, then I'm losing Amon or whatever NCU, you know, he wants to kill. And as I mentioned, it's a two activation swing. It's pretty huge. Um, but that I think Shane is the only person that I've personally faced that's run him. Yeah, I've never actually seen him across the table for me. I don't think I hate the idea because free folk are so popular and the Stark kind of what I call a a Stark scrub build. Um, It's not necessarily scrub because Starks are just phenomenal with their tactics deck, but you've got units like Stormcrow mercenaries. You've got units like Stark bowmen. You've got just regular sworn swords in a lot of these lists. They're not necessarily hard units to kill. Uh, alternatively, you could put him in a unit of Berserkers, who are very popular, that die very quickly, and a lot of times the Stark player just kind of plays those Berserkers. Like, I don't really care if they die. They're going to get stronger. They're going to take as much out as they can, but if the consequence is losing an NCU in an activation, they might reconsider the way that they play those Berserkers. But in particular, with Free Folk, uh, they're not necessarily hard to kill. And with Stark Bowman on a free folk unit, you can just stand at a distance and whatever they're doing to protect that unit, you can just rain fire down on it and potentially take them out. So um, just for me, I think he's, I think he's powerful and a psychological tool can be used to your advantage to dictate the flow of the battle. Just as you mentioned, because they're going to want to take that unit out of the game. Like, imagine if it's on, if it's in, like, Feast for Crows or something, and it's on their commander's unit that they really need to be on an objective, scoring two points. They might not even want to bring that unit forward uh, for the risk of losing their commander and, you know, Steyr or Mance, NCU or something. Uh, What do you think, Cameron? Uh, I like it. Even though you're kind of dumping five points into it, seeing how you also need to bring Arya, it's still a good list or a good uh, attachment that you can use because I hate facing against Melisandre or someone where, you know, you're dealing it with the whole game. With him, you can just snipe Melisandre as soon as you uh, kill that unit. So it's pretty good for two points. Yep. I think for Starks, again, they're they're in the same boat with Lannisters. Uh, It's hard to really say that any units are overlooked because they all have their place. You see them used pretty frequently, particularly in tournaments. I would be inclined to maybe say Cranigman trackers, but I think because of the popularity of Howland lately, uh, there's usually a unit of those included. Um, just maybe just for the Cranigman affiliation for his cards, but uh, the Cranigman trackers with a Cranigman warden, particularly paired with Arya NCU, uh, getting two, maybe three shots in a row at the start of a turn with rerolls all three times and a panic test all three times is pretty devastating. Um, that unit is way better than a lot of people think. Um, Larks, I'm going to throw a shout out to him. He's a player from Germany. Uh, pretty good friends with him and Yannick tabletop warden guys. Larks uses this unit and he uses it, I think as efficiently as anybody who plays the game. And I don't think that I've seen him play a game where that unit did not erase at least one unit throughout the course of the game. A lot of times that unit is killing 
one, two, three units uh, just because of that reroll bonus and the uh, RES free maneuver, swift advance, the maneuver zone, or even just moving them up into range and then taking that shot. Uh, they're pretty, pretty nasty. But being able to double tap with swift advance is just really good. Uh, swift advance, move up five, use the order for a free shot, use their action that round for a free shot. Pretty gross. Uh, does Dave play them a lot, Justin? Have you really had to face these guys? Uh, not a ton, I would say. Uh, most Dave list I've played against when it comes to Stark is a, uh, a Roderick and Blackfish list often, but Dave's been really uh, thrown in curveballs with all kinds of different factions lately. Uh, what about you, Cameron? I know that uh, at this last indie event, you played Gruenhagen, and he, <laughs> this is kind of funny, not funny for you, I'm sorry. I'm laughing with you, I promise. It's worth mentioning, uh, Craig killed a unit of Cameron's Knights Castle Rock in between rounds because of the free maneuver objective in Game of Thrones. So he was able to get a free shot from that objective and he killed knights. Yep. It was it's pretty nasty. They're a good unit, especially with the um Howland's card like you said before. He has some good cards, especially when you have um you know, all the Kranig men out there. So they're a pretty good unit, especially for five points. And they move six, correct? To look over. Yeah, and I think that's the problem is they're they're a unit that catches people by surprise a lot. Um, additionally, the uh, Howland cards are misleadingly better than what you would think. Um, I know that Dave, when we talked about cards, was mentioning that he didn't really rate uh, the threat unseen. Uh, but I think a card that uh, forces a panic test is just amazing, no matter what. I mean, a lot of times it's a 50-50 shot at doing two to four wounds. Um, then with the Kranigman bonuses, um, I believe they become panicked. I'm going to go have a look. But I believe that if they're within long range of a Kranigman unit, they become panicked. Yes, which is just amazing. And it's also minus one for each destroyed rank. So up to a minus two with a panic token has a really good chance of causing maximum wounds to most units. So, um, additionally, Kran what's that? Their attachment as well. That's also a really good one for one point. Yes, the attachment is, like, phenomenal for that unit. You used to see it a lot with Stark Bowman when they hit on fours. Um, now that Stark Bowman hit on threes, it kind of alleviates the need to use that attachment, but it could still be pretty devastating in Bowman. I'd like to think eight attack dice hitting on threes with rerolls, you should be getting seven to eight hits most of the time. Pretty nasty from a distance, uh, particularly since Stark Bowman can shoot over everything. They just need range, and then that's all they care about. <laughs> I'm sure that Justin loves that little tidbit. But uh, Halland might as well mention his other cards. Uh, Kranich Trap is misleadingly good. Uh, not only are they minus two movement for that activation, 
but if they're within long range of a cramming unit, they, they become weakened. So in a pivotal moment where a really big charge is coming, you can just play this card, not necessarily just for the minus two to the movement, but for the weakened token. And then Bog Devil Ambush, uh, just doing automatic hits. Justin knows the power of this card with uh, Sadistic Games. Uh, it's probably pretty rare that your opponent chooses the two, the D3 plus two hits from that card, but Howland doesn't give you a choice. And if you are within long range of a Kranimian unit, you suffer minus one for the defensive saves. The big thing with Bog Devil Ambush, too, is you can't play defensive abilities against it. So, for example, with the Night's Watch, if this card targets Ghost, you can't use Donald Noy, and you can't use the Shield of the Realms of Men to try to mitigate some of these hits. Uh, same thing goes for Wealth of the Rock or any other defensive boosting ability. They're generally triggered after an attack. This is not an attack, so... There's not a whole lot that you can do to shield this unit from those hits. But interestingly enough, they can use a vulnerable token because the vulnerable token is triggered by defensive save rolls, not by attack. So this card has a lot going for it. And uh, being within long range of the Kranim units, it's essentially sundering. So it can get pretty nasty. I've seen this unit just kill direwolves, but I've also seen it uh, finish off units that were, you know, down to three or four guys, and there's just not, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Take your hits and hope that you don't die. So, um, let's see. Oh, with Starks as well. I, it's hard to call this an overlooked unit because I think most people know that this unit exists. It has just lost popularity so much, and I'm going to directly blame this on Walter Frey. Uh, Walter Frey is so popular, and this is a unit that just gets battered by Walter. That is the Eddard Honor Guard. So the strength of this unit is fearless. Six plus morale is okay-ish. Six plus morale with fearless is pretty good because they can't use a panic token on you and you won't suffer modifiers. But when Walter Frey can strip fearless from this unit, they become an overpriced unit of Sworn Swords with plus one defensive save. Not only that, but if you're running the Honor Guard, that means that Eddard is in the unit. Losing Eddard means losing uh, two-thirds of his commander cards, and that ends up being 20% of your deck. That is huge. Um, it's a big liability, uh, and with Walter Frey, Tywin, Lannister and some of the other like free folk cards with free folk gaining popularity, being able to strip fearless from that unit and then attack them is pretty huge with the changes to panic. So that's why I would say this unit isn't used outside of that. I, I love the unit with Eddard Stark um, automatically um, healing two units on them. If you'd like, or two wounds, if you'd like basically canceling out Stark fury, the non-diminishing attack profile, 876. Um, and then the three-plus defensive save, it's a really solid unit. Um, as much as I hated fighting against this unit a lot when I was playing Lannisters and pre-Walder Frey, this unit was pretty popular. I really like to see units like this on the battlefield. It's a really fluffy-themed kind of unit. It's just kind of depressing for me that you don't see them anymore. Uh, what do you think, Justin? 
I've had some of my my most entertaining games against people using Eddard and his honor guard. The just amount of I don't even know, like the chain that you can accomplish with Eddard and his honor guard just going in swinging like I don't know, like three times. Uh, I've always enjoyed playing against them. I think they're a really well balanced unit, but I've also never purposely tried to shut them off. I don't honestly, from my perspective as a neutral player, I don't see them as overly dangerous. Um, even with the fearless, uh, I can just hit them with strong attacks and they'll they'll still die. So I'm not for six points. They're really good, but with Eddard just relying on him staying alive. It makes it a really hard to use unit against specific armies, specifically uh, very strong, hard-hitting armies. So that's the struggle I would see from their perspective. And Cameron? Yeah, so um, they're good, but if you were going to run Eddard, I'd probably run them in Tully, um, Sworn Shield. You're losing the movement, but you're just making sure that he stays alive for his cards. Because when he is alive, he has some pretty strong cards. But as soon as he dies, he's kind of just out of there. The whole uh, army kind of collapses. So having an ability just to shut that unit off and lose their main focus of fearless, you're just leaving them too vulnerable for me. (laughs) Even though it hurts my little Lannister heart, but I would have liked to see fearless as an ability just across the board be an innate ability. Um, it's just such a strong ability, and I think that you pay a pretty steep price for it. There's only, as far as I know, there's only two units that have it, and they're both very fluffy themed units. Um, and but you just won't see Walder go onto Joffrey's unit more often than not, unless it's when the the person isn't first player or controls the crown and it might just be for the wound, but you're not going to shut off the unit's abilities because you would give up the two extra victory points for Joffrey. So it's really Eddard's honor guard with fearless that, that pay the heavy price. And additionally, the King's guard or morale four where the honor guard or morale six. So not being overly critical of the developers, just really wish that this unit was a morale five or a morale four. That way, I can swallow uh, losing Stark Fury and uh, For the North, but um, it's really hard to swallow losing Fearless on this unit because they will just crumble to panic just as quickly as Sworn Swords. So that, I believe, should wrap up Starks because everything else is abused in this army. Uh Nothing is really overly uncommon there. So I guess moving on to neutrals. Um, this is an interesting one, particularly for all neutral players, like my guy Justin here. Not too many units don't get used. Uh, in an all-neutral army, actually, ironically, you rarely see Stormcrow mercenaries. But uh, I think... Bloody Mummer Skirmishers, we'll start with them. I don't think that they're overlooked so much as like that they're overlooked and they have something to offer so much as they're just not a very good unit right now. Um, 
I know that with Tywin and his exploit weaknesses card, you can double down on the ones, but for me, this unit just, it's not, it's just not working for me. Uh, a weakened token is nice threat mechanic, except for dealing out a weakened token, but <laughs> their movement five, their defensive save of five plus, I could overlook it if they weren't a seven plus morale as well. So they're basically cutthroats, but not with one less attack and less worse abilities. Yeah, no vicious, doesn't make things vulnerable. Um, I think I, I think it's a good unit to start at with saying overlooked though, because I think it actually does have potential. If you are playing against an army that hits a lot on like fours and stuff, um, so free folk or um, Baratheons if they're going with some wardens and stuff with, like that, I think they can do a lot of damage. Um, but it, it's weird that it relies on them to be attacked because they pop when they get attacked, so it's not super ideal. But if you can focus on taking taking on an army that uh, does hit very poorly, so maybe like free folk and not free folk. Um, poor people, those people. <laughs> um, then there's a lot more potential. They, yeah, in, in, a, in certain matchups, I could see them getting pretty annoying for opponents, but oh, I don't know. When I played against them, they just exploded <laughs> they I think Cameron had one game where he tried them with Tywin and I think they did something like six wounds with Perry to sworn brothers or something with that card but even after dealing these six wounds they still pretty much exploded from the attack and then oh yeah, yeah I I lived to fight another day, and they did not. <laughs> so, but I can tell you from experience with cutthroats, you can get attacked with like three dice from Knights of Castle Rock with one rank left and still lose like 80% of the unit. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> They're also expensive. Six points seem, when yeah. looking at what they bring, I think... I think at five points, they would fight cutthroats for a place in the army. Uh, they might even just be paired with cutthroats so that you had some versatility. But at six points, I just... That's, for being it's, a, it's, a steep, it's a steep price tag for what they bring to the table. Auto wounds are nice, but... Uh, Not that nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not I nice when you can't actually get them out. Right. Yeah. What do you think, Cameron? Like I said, you tried them. <laughs> were, well, were you yeah. unimpressed? Yeah, they're basically, like I said, just a one-trick pony. I mean, like, they have parry, but they get charged by any sort of cavalry they're dead or anything, really. So I see them with that one combo with the card, and that's if you're lucky. I mean, like, they're okay with Tywin if it's with any commander, but besides that, I just don't really see a lot of play for them compared to, like you guys said, cutthroat. Yeah, they're good with Vargo too, but uh, yeah, but Vargo's cards are better than people think. I agree. I just wish, I wish as they are, I wish they were five points, and I would probably love them. Um, Cutthroats are definitely not overlooked. Stormcrow mercenaries are abused by Starks and, to some degree, Lannisters. Uh, let's go to the Blackguard. That's 
a unit I've actually been harping about here recently. I think that in a panic-heavy meta, with panic doing reliable, consistent uh, wounds, I'm surprised that you don't see Blackguard more than what you see them. Uh, Three-plus defensive save is very, very good, uh, particularly for, I guess, Starks have the Sworn Shields, but I would almost prefer Blackguard to Sworn Shields. Maybe. Maybe not. I'm lying. Probably will. Yeah, you're definitely lying. The <laughs> stats are, like, completely night and day different. <laughs> hey, don't uh, don't call me out on things. I, I have to on this one. They hit on threes with seven dice, lose one dice at the second rank. Blackguard hit on fours, seven, five, whatever it happens at the end when I don't care. And then it's shield wall versus... Uh, nothing. Horrific damage. Which is nothing. Yeah. It is not nothing. It's it nothing. is basically <laughs> nothing. You have terrible luck. <laughs> At some point, luck stops being a thing, and it's just math. <laughs> <laughs> Negative to morale. It's kind of meh. Just, oh, take a panic test, and that's it. If you have panic tokens, maybe, but they don't really hand them out unless you're doing a dread for a captain. I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it. I, I really you... like Blackguard. I think they're so cool. I love the art form when they first showed them. I love the models. I think they're really cool. I want to have like a defensive unit in my army because, oddly enough, even though I'm a, a neutral player, I cannot stand glass cannon armies. But this is what happened, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> um, but their problem is like they, they don't do anything. Best case scenario, you get on an objective. Guess what happens when you have a three-up save and six morale when you're on an objective? You lose the objective because you can't fight the thing you're against no matter what. There's, like, not a unit in the game you can win against. No. Try them. <laughs> Try two Blackguard, two Bastards Girls, Cutthroats, Walder, Varus, and Roos. Just try it. See if you love it. Just don't play it against Dave's Tully Army. It's not a, a Tully army. It's it's a it's a berserker army with a Tully in it. <laughs> it's an oh, Dave army that happens. That happens Dave doesn't play that against army. us outside of tournaments because it's 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 sad. <laughs> it makes me cry right. a little bit. So I I couldn't tell you guys on Blackguard. What about you, Cameron? Mm, yeah, I'm kind of with Justin and you on them. If you can get them on an objective, but having four movement already hurts them. Because I think they're the slowest unit in that army. Neutrals, so might as well, again, just run cutthroats and just try to attack more. Get more offensive. What, what about with Thirsty? With who? Thirsty. Mm, still not, thirsty, still yeah, not by but him. No. You might as well run... Um, what are they? Guard captain. Yep. Well, if you were to bring Cersei to try to get their horrific visage to work, that's the point where your enemy just won't attack you. It's like yeah. attacking what Bone Lord's chosen or whatever. Like you don't want to attack those guys because when you do, you lose like six dudes, and you're like, "Whoa, that was terrible." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You just shoot them. You just shoot the Bone Lord's chosen. You don't engage those guys. You can That's shoot Blackguard. You got to do one wound, and then boom, they take five. You know it's true. <laughs> kind of. That's that how panic should. works, man. 
it shouldn't be, but it is. I have terrible luck with Panic 2. Sad days. It makes me so sad. Uh, Storm Crow Archers. These guys are worth talking about. I actually legitimately do think that this unit is overlooked. Um, if you play it right, being able to attack for free with the tactics board, no matter what, is nice. If you run Peter Baelish, who's a good choice in a neutral army anyway, throw Peter Baelish down onto the letters and claim the swords effect, and then you're guaranteed two free tactics board shots. Uh, And it implies, unless you roll horribly, which Justin's probably pretty good at, it implies two panic tests. You should get three hits, at least, and they should fail one of them. So it should be a panic test. But uh, you can plug in the Stormcrow uh, Lieutenant if you want to get them up to a proper eight attacks with Sundering. Wouldn't work unless you went on the bags and claimed the free attack. But I don't know. I think they can be pretty good, actually. I think, I think that for the most part, in general, ranged attacks are overlooked and uh, not given enough credit. I think that this unit being able to do it numerous times is misleadingly better than maybe what people think. I think a lot of people just glanced at their stats, saw seven attack dice hitting on fours and just carried on about their business. Uh, what do you think, Justin? You're a neutral guy. Did you, did you give them a fair shake? Cause I know you really don't like this unit that much. Uh, well, that's not necessarily true. I love the sculpt and I love the models. I think they're super cool. Uh, I even like the idea behind them, but, I can't, I've tried them. They haven't done anything for me. It's just not worth the price tag. Uh, Like, at best, if you have the money and you have a lieutenant in there, because for my army, I I have only one option to put in them, right? The other two affect melee. So um, they have, what, eight attacks with Sundering hitting on fours. So I get four through and I do three wounds. So it'll take me a long time to kill anything with them. It's, I don't think they're good at all in a neutral army, but I think they're excellent in other armies that have better options to choose from. And I've seen them used a lot um, in a lot of other armies, so I don't think they're necessarily bad at all. Just not, they they don't work for neutrals at the moment. Cameron? So yeah, I'm same with Justin. In a neutral army, maybe not the best choice, what I do like about them is the adaptive, or not adaptive, uh, motivated by coin, right? Or whichever one that yeah. has minus one points for attachments. That's a pretty That's good adaptive. one to put and stuff, get that free storm crew lieutenant and stuff like that. Well, I like Yeah, it. besides that, them. nothing really different. I've seen them gain a little bit of popularity with... Uh with um, Baratheons, and they've, I've seen them mixed into Starks, but again, Starks are just abusive because they just want a freaking wolf. <laughs> and, and Rickon, and, that's a whole other subject. Rickon and Osha just do so much because you put them in the mercenaries just to get the wolf, just to span out your activations and gain an advantage, and then when they finally catch the unit that Rickon and Osha are in, they just run child. <laughs> you don't get the extra victory points, and it's sad days. Um, I've actually seen savvy Stark players walder their own 
Rick and Unit, like what it is. <laughs> Come kill them. Fine. Be all right. Uh, but anyways, moving on. Uh, the Bloody Mummer Zorse Riders. This, this is sad days more about neutral units than the, than the other armies. This has to be so sad for Justin. Sad, uh, used to it. Riders, for me, they're suffering from the same thing that uh, that the Bloody Mummer Skirmishers are. Just that seven-point price tag, the stats just don't match. Um, I don't understand I, the role that they're supposed to play. Like, uh, so if four, you engaged in the side, then it has a really awesome ability. However, generally, you're only engaging things in the side when you're, like, double-engaging people, but boom, expensive cavalry. Boom, expensive cavalry that get one shot and lose more dice than any single rank the game has, period. By a lot. It's ridiculous. Uh, Rose Knights lose three. They lose four. They lose four. <laughs> so you're saying one dice is a lot, but it kind of is. In a game where you have seven? Yeah. That's like, <laughs> what, 15-ish percent? More? Well, they they actually lose more than half of their attacks. I know. That, if you put it that way, that way, that's definitely... And a unit that um, has a 5-up save and a 7-up morale, like, you're guaranteed to lose 6 wounds to anything. You can be charged <laughs> by guardsmen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, guardsmen will get in there and get their shivs in every now and again, okay? Yeah, I've especially seen, against I've, these zebra-riding hammer boys. Why does one of them have a giant hammer? I was really hoping he was attachment. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that he was. I know, he's just so different. Um, What? He's shaggy too dope. Uh, You know, Free Folk, they're like Free... uh, The Raider leader? The Raid leader? Have him like that, so you can get that, oh, I can have this unit charge. Then the Raid leader will let me charge in and I'll get those abilities. So you can have some out-of-turn attacks with them. And make them worth it, at least. But you can't use a raid leader in Zorses. Well, yeah, I'm just saying if that was the attachment. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, okay. Oh, you okay, confused yeah. me at first. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> yeah, you confused me, too. <laughs> We're talking about Zorses, and you're talking about raid Raiding. I'll tell you where. I'll tell you where the Zorse Riders came from. They came from the... Stagnite Noble Attachment. I think that's about maybe the most efficient way to get some use out of these guys. But then I guess you're just doing it to get a free attack action or a maneuver action out of a unit that's cavalry and fast and is eight points. But I've I've seen them used and they just, even in that combination, they're just... Eight points. That's Knights of Castle Rock. One point below Flademan. I don't know. I just I tried to defend these guys because um, they're cool against Lannister Guard with a Guard Captain if you can get to their flank. And I guess they're kind of cool against Baratheon as long as they don't have Stag's Resilience, Hold the Line, <laughs> anything like that. Um, because they can just turn to face you. And yeah, then that's that's the problem with, like, that ability is you get one attack where they don't have abilities, and then they just turn to face you. 
because you're eight points well, and all of a sudden you've got like four units on the field. Actually, technically, I guess with Baratheon, since those cards are when they activate, at the point where they activate, this unit's still in their flank, so they couldn't play that card until they turned around. So oh, that's fair, I guess. Kind yeah. of good, kind of good against Baratheon Wardens. And not like they're doing that much damage. They're doing slightly <laughs> less damage than normal aggressive units. Because they only have seven attacks. Listen here, like, pal. Good units are swinging at eight attacks and hitting on threes. <laughs> like, that's, they that's, are weak. that's the classic. Coming weakened, and they cannot use uh, orders or be the target of friendly tactics guards, but they sure can countercharge you. And destroyed <laughs> right in the <laughs> right in the rear. <laughs> I'm moving and, on. I've had well, well, one last thing I got to say about them in the neutral army. One thing that they really struggle with is uh, them being move six. You're like almost always outpacing the rest of your army significantly, and that is never a good idea. That is definitely how you get did. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Bastard girls are not a secret at all anymore. It's not overlooked. Like they're beautiful. Uh, Flayed men still have a place in some builds. I do still see Flayed men. So I try all the time. So we've done Starks, Lannisters, and Neutrals. Dave said we're allowed to do Night's Watch, right? I don't know. Did he? Uh, I don't know, but we're almost out of time, so we don't have to cover Night's Watch. Yeah, we did we'll three in next week. Either do the other four next week and hopefully Dave's not too mad at me today. Um, any final thoughts from you guys on any of these? Yeah. I got my no. bitterness out. <laughs> yeah, we talked about neutrals for a while, so <laughs> what about you, Cam? Any honorable mentions maybe that I overlooked? Nothing else to add? Nope. Nothing really. There's went over really everything. Um, yeah. Nothing that right, stands cool. out. All right. You got any shout outs, Justin? I do not. No. Cameron, you got anything you want to shout out? Any upcoming events? Any TTS events that you're going to organize? Anything going on? Nope. Nope. I just play in them, don't run them. <laughs> That's the spirit. It's called All taking right. it easy, bro. Well, if you're not registered for a Song of Ice and Fire stat, go ahead and register and help contribute to whatever commander's ranking uh, you wish to boost, if that's what you want to do. Um, check out any tournaments that are going on there. They pretty much always got a tournament going on somewhere. Most of the time they're open enrollment pay attention to the time zone that you're enrolling. If you enroll, if you're in the U.S. Midwest, like where we're from, uh, be careful about enrolling in Australian events because they're like exactly 12 hours apart. So pretty hard to schedule games. Um, But outside of that, uh, the time they're free to play. And all it does is just add more data, data, don't be too nervous to come in and play. There's people of all different skill levels playing, and you won't get better unless you try. Uh, also, check out the A Song of Ice and Fire Guild for some of the content that we push out. 
uh, small councils a part of the guild. Uh, we do a little bit of everything, some article writing, participate in some of the battle reports, but check out the content in our monthly drop. This month's focus is on Night's Watch. So Night's Watch is, always seems to be really popular with the community. Uh, people just love to hear about Night's Watch. So uh, hop over to a Song of Ice and Fire Guild.com and check out our monthly tribute to the Night's Watch. And um, there is an event going on in um, Ohio this weekend at Gamers Haven. It is an in-person event. Uh, we have 20 people playing, so be sure to pay attention to the stats page. It's being run through a Song of Ice and Fire stats, so you can track anybody that you know who's playing, or if you want to see the results of that event, go ahead and check it out. I believe there are six Night's Watch players, actually, so Night's Watch is seeing a little bit of rise in popularity lately, which I like to see because I love Night's Watch. So hopefully we will have a Night's Watch winner. Uh, that would be awesome. But other than that, I don't really have anything else to shout out. So if you guys don't have anything. Nope. Nope. I'm all good. Radio, <laughs> radio silence. Well, thanks for joining us with such short notice, Cameron. It's uh, always mm -hmm. nice to get your opinion on these matters. You play in-person games so much and uh, yeah. you are one of my favorite little sparring partners so I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and giving some input on this and uh, with that this is the small council and it is dismissed